Hey y'all, we're going to continue our journey through the book of 1 Samuel today with chapter 29. And we left off and David had been hiding out in enemy territory. He had been given a town in the Philistine territory, which are enemies of Israel and they keep trying to attack Israel. There is a war brewing. They're getting ready to attack the Israelites again. And David is expected to fight with them. And we had diverted off where Saul had um, received bad news that yeah, confirmed. Let's confirm it. David is going to be the next king. You're not going to be king anymore. And also, by the way, you're going to die. So Saul just received this bad news. The Philistines are preparing to attack the Israelites. And David is in this camp of the Philistines, expected to also fight with them against his very own people. So we'll start off in chapter 29, verse 1. The entire Philistine army now mobilized at Aphek, and the Israelites camped at the spring in Jezreel. As the Philistine rulers were leading out their troops in groups of hundreds and thousands, David and his men marched at the rear with King Achish. But the Philistine commanders demanded, What are these Hebrews doing here? And Achish told them, This is David, the servant of King Saul of Israel. He's been with me for years, and I have never found a single fault in him from the day he arrived until today. But the Philistine commanders were angry. Send him back to the town you've given him, they demanded. We can't go into battle with him. What if he turns against us in the battle and becomes our adversary? Is there any better way for him to reconcile himself with his master than by handing our heads over to him? Isn't this the same David about whom the women of Israel sing in their dances? Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. So I'm going to pause here. His reputation yet again exceeds him. Even the Philistine enemies of Israel know this reputation of David. This is the third time we see this song of the women of Israel and what they proclaim of David and his reputation. And we don't know what David's plan is in this war or what he's thinking, but we know that David's trusting God. We know that David is waiting on God's perfect timing. And we know that David does believe and stand firm on the fact that God is with him and God will lead him and guide him. But we also know that David is expecting to go into battle and do something. So he's got to be like excited, adrenaline rushing. I don't know if excited is the right word, but you know, there's an emotional energy. They're going into a war and he is in the enemy camp expected to go into a war with the very people that God has anointed him to be king over. And he has been anointed as the next king privately so far. It was a private anointing that Samuel did with David and just his family. So we'll continue in verse six. So Achish finally summoned David and said to him, I swear by the Lord that you have been a trustworthy ally. I think you should go with me into battle for I've never found a single fly in you from the day you arrived until today. But the other Philistine rulers won't hear of it. Please don't be upset at them, but go back quietly. What have I done to deserve this treatment? David demanded. What have I ever found? What have you ever found in your servant that I can't go and fight the enemies of my lord the king? But Achish insisted. As far as I'm concerned, you're as perfect as an angel of God. But the Philistine commanders are afraid to have you with them in the battle. Now get up early in the morning and leave with your men as soon as it gets light. So David and his men headed back into the land of the Philistines while the Philistine army went on to Jezreel. So Jezreel is a community in Judah. So they're heading out and there had to have been a bit of an emotional crash here because 
David knows that God's will is coming forth for his life. He trusts God and he stands on God and he's waiting on God's perfect timing, but he is not going to be fighting today. He woke up expecting to be fighting today in some way, shape or form. And now he is exempt from this war. He's to turn around and just go back home in peace. And I don't know for sure what he's thinking. It does not tell us that, but you can imagine there had to be some type of emotional letdown here. Like he's just going to go back home. We'll continue on in verse third or chapter 30, verse one, three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziklag, they found that the Amicalites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziklag villages. They had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. So here we have total devastation. They come home from not fighting in a war that they expected to be fighting in, and they see total devastation. The city that they'd been given within the Philistine territory has been totally destroyed, and their children and wives and belongings have all been taken. And they've been kicked out of the enemy war, and now they come home to devastation. So there's even a further emotional letdown and they weep until they literally can weep no more. And you, when you, when you are that sorrowful and that emotionally down, you lose strength. In verse five, David's two wives, Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow, the widow of Nabal from Carmel were among those captured. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. So they have wept until they can weep no more. They're weak, but yet they're going to try to find the strength to stone David. They're angry. So now David is not fighting in a war he expected to. He has lost his wives. They've been captured, and his city that he's been living in for the last year and four months has been burned to the ground. And what does he do? He doesn't turn to bitterness. He turns to strength. He turns to God. He turns to strength found in God. He relies on God in everything. And God gives him his strength to continue, even in this devastation. In verse 7, Then he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought it. Then David asked the Lord, Should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. So here he speaks to God and he seeks out counsel from God. And God created us for victory in him, for his glory and for his sake. We are in his story. And God honors his victory and glory bringing, being brought forth in our lives through every situation. In verse 9, so David and his 600 men set out and they came to the brook Besor. But 200 of the men were too exhausted to cross the brook. So David continued the pursuit with 400 men. So these men are just simply too exhausted. They can't go on anymore. In verse 11, along the way, they found an Egyptian man in a field and brought him to David. They gave him some bread to eat and water to drink. They also gave him part of a fig cake and two clusters of raisins, for he hadn't had anything to eat or drink for three days and nights. Before long, his strength returned. So this was um, an Egyptian slave that was just left for dead. And a a couple 
things here, we can focus on on the wrong thing or the right thing. We can focus on God and being God-centered in our lives, or we can focus on anger and bitterness and revenge. And these men that were with David, they, they started out angry. They were bitter. And it could have strengthened them to do the wrong thing. But David sought God and they're redirecting and refocusing on God and God's will and God's direction. And in that process, they even help a, a slave who was left for dead. They have compassion on this man and they give him food to help give him strength. And we'll continue here in verse 13. To whom do you belong and where do you come from? David asked him. I am an Egyptian, the slave of an Amicalite. He replied, my master abandoned me three days ago because I was sick. We were on our way back from raiding the Carathites in Negev, the territory of Judah, and the land of Caleb, and we had just burned Ziklag. So this man literally was was a slave that was involved in the burning of Ziklag, but he was sick, so they just left him for dead. And David had sought the Lord for strength, and rather than seeking his pain and the emotions that had been playing out in his heart, God led him rather than David letting his emotions lead him. And everything is being restored in this, and he even helps a man that was involved in the very thing that caused him that despair. And we'll see how God leads and plays out here. And hopelessness can really crush people and it can really bring you down and weaken people also just another note but when we're hopeless we can turn to god and god will give us strength to carry on and he will bring his glory and his victory forth and we'll see that happen next year starting with verse 15 will you lead me to this band of raiders david asked the young man replied if you take an oath in god's name that you will not kill me or give me back to my master then i will guide you to them So he led David to them, and they found the Amicalites spread out across the fields, eating and drinking and dancing with joy because of the vast amount of plunder that they had taken from the Philistines and the land of Judah. David and his men rushed in among them and slaughtered them throughout that night and the entire next day until evening. None of the Amicalites escaped except 400 young men who fled on camels. David got back everything that the Amicalites had taken, and he rescued his two wives, Nothing was missing, small or great, son or daughter, nor anything else that had been taken. David brought everything back. He also recovered all the flocks and herds, and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock. This plunder belongs to David, they said. So here we have restoration. Strength rose up in them. God led them. And this man that was left for dead actually ended up helping them. And they're restored. And they're brought back victory is brought back. They are given everything back that was taken. In verse 21, then David returned to the brook of Besor and met up with the 200 men who had been left behind because they were too exhausted to go with him. They went out to meet David and his men and David greeted them joyfully. But some evil troublemakers among David's men said they didn't go with us so they can't have any of the plunder we recovered. Give them their wives and children and tell them to be gone. But David said, no, my brothers, Don't be selfish with what the Lord has given us. He has kept us safe and helped us defeat the band of raiders that attacked us. Who will listen when you talk like this? We share and share alike. Those who go to battle and those who guard the equipment. From then on, David made this a decree and regulation for Israel, and it is still followed to this day. When he arrived in Ziklag, David sent part of the plunder to the elders of Judah, who were his friends. Here is a present for you, taken from the Lord's enemies, he said. 
The gifts were sent to the people of the following towns David had visited, Bethel, Ramath Negev, Jatir, Eroer, Sifmoth, Eshtimoa, Rakal, the towns of the Jeremalites, the towns of the Kenites, Horma, Borashan, Atak, Hebron, and all the other places that David and his men had visited. So here we have restoration. There was a long fight, and they they fought from the night through the whole next day until the following evening. There was an entire 24 period that they were fighting in when Jesus was crucified on the cross. It was from one night to the following night. It was a complete 24-hour process, and Jesus died for us. He said, Lord, is this really what I need to do? And God said, yes, this is what must be done. And Jesus said, game on, let's go. We're going to do this. And there was no other way. And in this process, Jesus recovered everything for us. He recovered his church. He recovered our souls. Jesus restores everything for our lives. And he doesn't hold it selfishly. He freely gives. It's a free gift to anyone who believes in Jesus and accepts him as his Lord and Savior and submits and repents their life to Jesus. David was rejected by men, but he recovers everything. And Jesus was rejected as well. And he recovered everything. He recovered our souls for the entire eternity if we choose him. And the, um, the war that happened here, the, the war that, that is going on on the side, this isn't even the Philistine Israelite war. This is just a, a plunder, a raid of the camp and their camp was raided. Their home was raided. Everything was taken and he could have responded in hopeless despair. He could have responded in bitterness. He could have responded in hate and anger, but instead he turns to God. He keeps his focus on God and God centered and he is strengthened and he responds and gets victory. He gets restoration. He gets everything returned back to him and he shows love to other people. He shows love and kindness to this servant that was left for dead. He shows loving kindness to the people that were too tired to carry on. And Jesus shows us that same loving kindness. When we feel like hopeless, our lives are hopeless and we're in despair. Jesus shows us compassion and love and gives us strength to carry on. And he saturates us with his love and strength and mercy and kindness and goodness. And he gives us the strength to keep going because it's worth it. Because Jesus is worth it and his victory is coming and his his win is coming. The final battle is coming. Jesus is returning and there's going to be a great victory. And when we choose Jesus, we choose the winning team. God already won. The enemy is defeated. And when we choose Jesus, we stand in that victory. And the day is coming soon when that victory is going to be won and we're going to see it all for ourselves. Thanks, y'all. We'll continue on tomorrow with the final chapter of First Samuel. Have a great day, y'all.